This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Monday, November 29th. Good morning. Muy buenos dias and welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us to start this first week of Advent as we prepare for Christmas, which is less than four weeks away. Can you believe it? I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and had an opportunity to spend some quality time with your family and loved ones. I know uh, this reporter spent uh, quite a bit of time watching college football this weekend. Um, on Mondays, I also uh, remind you uh, every Monday that Monday, traditionally, uh, we pray for the souls in purgatory of our relatives and our loved ones. I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, uh, it's Cyber Monday. What are some of the stories uh, making news this morning? Well, John, you may have picked up an extra pound or two over the weekend. We picked up an extra word for our news lexicon today, and that's Omicron. It's the latest variant of COVID-19, first detected in South Africa, uh, apparently very recently, the last couple of weeks. And uh, suddenly the U.S. is prohibiting flights from eight countries in the southern portion of that continent. Uh, Several others locking down their borders. Israel not allowing anyone in as well, any foreigners in. Uh, This variant, according to the WHO, is something that we need to keep an eye on. It, It seems to spread very quickly, but we don't know yet actually how severe or not uh, symptoms may be. Some of the main symptoms appear to be just uh, fatigue, very, very strong fatigue. And so uh, we'll kind of see how that goes. But uh, the president expected to talk more about that today as well. And Dr. Fauci says might be a couple of weeks till we know uh, how the current vaccines handle that variant. So do you think that we should stay calm, uh, don't get overly excited or uh, afraid because of this news? Because uh, uh, there are some folks that think that perhaps the, the mainstream media is, is blowing it a little bit out of proportion. Well, even uh, the World Health Organization uh, calling uh, out countries that are already enforcing some travel bans, saying we need to follow the science first. So this did seem to accelerate very quickly over the weekend in terms of response, but uh, in terms of What's there, we don't really know for sure yet. This is also a big week in the U.S. Supreme Court uh, with Dobbs versus Jackson coming up uh, on December 1st. Oral arguments uh, will be underway. An important case, maybe the most important case in the last uh, half century that could possibly overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah, the folks from Mississippi arguing that case on Wednesday at the high court, uh, asking for Roe v. Wade to be overturned is is part of that. Uh, Up for a look is that Dobbs case, as we've heard it called out of Mississippi, that uh, deals with the pain capability of a baby in the womb around 15 weeks to be able to be observed at feeling pain anyway. And so that's the the key point of the the 15 weeks. But yes, this could be the case that overturns Roe v. Wade and the the, uh, high court will take a Hard look at that starting Wednesday. And we're going to take a look at uh, this case coming up uh, later at the bottom of the hour. Sean Carney, president, co-founder of 40 Days for Life, is going to be with us uh, to break it open. Uh, As always, uh, thanks so much, Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. 
We begin every hour giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit whenever we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Isaiah 35, 4. Behold, our Savior will come. You need no longer fear. Much of the world has already begun to celebrate Christmas, but Catholic Christians are still waiting. We're observing the Advent season. We're not jumping before the Lord, but waiting for His coming and preparing our hearts. What do we hear from the world? We hear that Christmas is a season for children. Innocent and cheerful children are often depicted in holiday commercials. This is also true for us Christians. We should be like children, childlike, innocently waiting with happiness for the child Jesus to come into our lives and into our hearts. And we pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now we're going to continue our Be Formed series. Did you ever wonder what is the purpose of the responsorial psalm and why it's such an important part of the Mass. Joining us now to continue our Beform series and explain uh, the importance of the responsorial psalm is our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, the Chicago Cubs Catholic chaplain known as the baseball priest, as well as the director for the Office of Adult Formation for the Diocese of Joliet, Illinois. Good morning, Father Burke. Happy Advent. Welcome back to, to Morning Air. Always great to be with you. Yeah, good morning, John. Happy New Year, and uh, yeah, good to be with you, too. Sounds like you, you got a lot of football in this weekend as well. My goodness, uh, I saw more football this weekend than I had in a long, long time. Uh, I had a, a special eye on, on the Michigan-Ohio State game, which uh, was, was quite a game and quite a surprise. Uh, Father, I don't know if you caught any of it. I did. I watched most of the game, actually, and that was uh, quite an exciting game, and you know, first time Michigan has beat them, and I think what, what was it—the sixth time that Harbaugh uh, had coached against Ohio State. The first time they won, only the second uh, victory for Michigan in the last twenty years against Ohio State. And yes, uh, Jim Harbaugh, had, the head coach, had not beaten Ohio State yet. Uh, but the way they celebrated afterwards was unbelievable. You'd have thought they just won the national championship. The whole <laughs> way the entire stadium uh, ran out on the field, and they just—they would not go away. So that—that that was quite exciting. And remember, I used to cover Michigan football uh, back in my Detroit days uh, with Fox Two Detroit. So uh, uh, you know, it was—it was fun to. to keep Keep an eye on, on, the, on the Wolverines. I also watched uh, Notre Dame football that evening, uh, Notre Dame-Stanford, another school that I reported on over the years. So uh, it was quite a, quite a weekend of football. It'll be interesting to see how the whole bowl picture uh, plays out here in the upcoming uh, days and weeks. Yes, and, and watching you know, Alabama you know, 
score at the end of uh, regulation to tie the game and then to beat uh, Auburn in overtime that could have really turned the, the, the playoff picture upside down. So it will be interesting to see what happens. That was that was amazing. I did catch the end of that one, and it just goes to show that, uh, you know, 30 or 40 seconds can make a big difference, especially if you give a team like an Alabama uh, extra time, and sure enough, they, they were able to, to come back, uh, tie it, and then win it in overtime. So, uh, Father, a lot of, a lot of great uh, football action uh, uh, for, for the football fans this past weekend. Yeah, it was, and, um, you know, I'm a Mississippi State grad, and it's been – well, it looks like we're going to make a bowl game, but uh, nothing near the, the playoff picture for us. But it, it's fun to watch. I, I love watching amateur sports and the way they they put their hearts and souls on the line out there. It's uh, and the, the fan support, as you're saying, you know, is just uh, amazing. Well, I think that we need to be as passionate about our Catholic faith here during this Advent season as the sports fans are uh, about college football. So um, let, let's talk about your B-Form series that we've been doing now for a while. For folks that may not be familiar with it, can you give us a little overview of what we've been trying to do? Sure, yeah. So what we've been doing this fall is going through the Liturgy of the Word, and we've just been breaking down the Mass part by part to help people become more aware of what we're doing at Mass. Um, so often, I think we, we kind of go through the motions because, you know, it's just what we've always done. And we don't really understand, you know, um, maybe the, the, the scriptural underpinnings of the Mass and why things are connected the way they are. And so what we've, what we've been trying to do is to raise awareness so that we can, you know, f- more fully participate in the Mass and so this week we've been going through the responsorial psalm, which sometimes we can see as just a nice little song between the Old Testament reading and the New Testament reading on Sundays. But to remember that the, the psalm is, it, it's a scriptural reading. It's from the book of Psalms, of course, in the Old Testament. And it's usually sung because they were sung, you know, back in the time of, of Christ. And what really struck me as I was doing research on this is, a couple of things, but what, probably the, the biggest thing was that to think about Jesus prayed the Psalms. You know, the, the Psalms were around, um, you know, before the time that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And so many of the Jews uh, knew the Psalms by heart, just like when we listen to a song on the radio, you know, we hear the first line and we know that the whole song by heart, you know, that's, that's how the Psalms were for many of the Jews. And so, and they, they expressed every human emotion, you know, from crying out to God and complaining to lament, to praising God, to thanking God, um, it really speaks to the human emotion. So to recognize at Mass that the psalm is a scripture reading that Jesus prayed himself and that, and it's always connected to the, the first reading. They're, they're chosen for a reason to kind of express maybe what what's happening in the first reading at Mass. And so it shouldn't be just seen as, okay, this is something we should skip over, but to really pay attention to the words of the psalm. 
Father Burke, uh, I, I think uh, th- your uh, description of sometimes going through the motions uh, is, is so appropriate. It's so easy to just kind of hang out in Mass and things are happening and you're just not focused, you're not plugged in. Uh, and especially when it comes uh, to the, the, the responsorial psalm. In fact, I'm always uh, kind of uh, wondering how come so many priests and deacons uh, really in, in many ways overlook uh, the psalms. You hardly ever hear a sermon or even mention of uh, the, the psalms in, in uh, the homily. Yeah, you're right. Often uh, we're, I'm saying we as priests and deacons, uh, we're, we're guilty of this like anyone is just passing over the psalm, but it could be the key to connecting, you know, all of the readings that we can. And so uh, I know, I think I might have preached on the psalm once or twice in my 20 years, honestly. And after, you know, doing the research on this, I, as I pray with the readings, I, you know, sometimes I honestly would just kind of pass over the psalm as, oh, that's, that's nice, but let's, let's get to the other readings. And so it's made me more aware, like, I need to pay attention to not only the antiphon, the refrain, but the words of the psalm to say, what's in here that the church is trying to, you know, flesh out for me and like I say, it could be the key to unlocking the whole meaning of the readings that we can. And as we're also doing, we're encouraging, you know, the priests and deacons, but also all of us, the, the lay faithful as well, to to prepare to go to Mass by praying with the readings before you go. Because inevitably we we get distracted at Mass. You know, a baby cries or... You know, we're just thinking about what we have to do after after we leave Mass, and we miss, you know, the readings. And But the more that we're able to prepare for Mass before we go, the more we can engage them at Mass, and we can engage the homilist more as well. So that's one of the biggest reasons why we're doing this Be Formed, is to raise awareness and to, to help us engage. Some of the people that are going to Be Formed uh, with us are saying, Wow, I've never paid attention to that in that same way, and I'm 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 getting so much more out of mass now because I'm seeing, um, you know, the depth of what uh, what the mass is about. It just made me think of Scott Hahn, you know, who is a, a great Catholic theologian and speaker now. You know, he converted to Catholicism, and uh, uh, he describes how he used to go to mass to prove that it was the worst thing created by man, and as and he had his Bible with him. And as they they started going through Mass, he realized, wow, that's from Jeremiah, that's from the Psalms, that's from Matthew. He saw how scriptural the Mass was. And uh, obviously he ended up becoming Catholic and now is uh, one of the greatest advocates for uh, for the Catholic Church and the Mass. Be careful what you do if you bring a Bible in and you're a non-Catholic <laughs> into a Catholic Mass, because you will see, if you have uh, scriptural eyes, you will see that the entire Mass from the very, very beginning to the end is just saturated with uh, sacred scripture, uh, and that includes the Psalms. It is, yeah. It is, as you say, saturated. Uh, oftentimes, you know, not just the readings, uh, the first reading, the Psalm, the second reading, and the, the Gospel, but you know, the prayers and uh, the, the Eucharistic prayer that there's just, if it's not directly quoted from scripture, it's, you know, images that are drawn from scripture. And even though uh, we as Catholics may not always know the the book and the verse where it comes from, 
we're steeped in scripture if we if we go to mass on a regular basis so um yeah so I uh, just want to encourage people to to delve into it. You, you won't regret preparing yourself to participate in Mass more fully because so often people say, well, I don't get anything out of Mass. And I always say, well, well what are you putting into it? Just like we started the segment by talking about football, you know, people will, they'll prepare, they'll, they'll study, you know, all of the matchups in a football game and then they'll go five hours early to tailgate and, you know, and, and cook and, and talk about what's going to happen at the football game so that when the football game starts, boy, they are totally engaged. Can you imagine if, if we did, we put that kind of energy, as you said, into the Mass and we, we prayed with the readings and we, we talked about it with our friends and, you know, gosh, do you know what readings we're going to hear this weekend and what did you think about it even before we walked in, you know, and we... We, we sang and we participated, you know, like people who do the wave and, you know, they're, they're not afraid to jump up and down and go crazy at a football game. Um, but at mass, you know, we're, we act like we, we can't sing and we can't speak. We can't respond. Um, and this is our God. This is our God who created us, who loves us. And, uh, you know, just wants to pour out his heart to us and uh, it just invites us to worship we were created to to love and be loved by god and and to love one another and and we're, we're created to worship the god who created us um, and so the, the mass is the greatest form of that for us to to offer all that god's already given us to offer it back to him in worship and Father Burke, um, most of the Psalms are attributed to King David, uh, but not all of them. And they cover, like you said, so many different human emotions. They do. Yeah. So King David is, is, you know, many of the Psalms are attributed to him. And there's some that we don't know who the author is. But um, if, you're, if you're going to Mass, you know, that's what's uh, challenging as somebody who preaches at Mass is that people are coming you know, maybe somebody has just lost a loved one. Uh, maybe this couple has just gotten married or just had a baby. Uh, this family is remembering a loved one who died five years ago today. There's so many different emotions that are wrapped up in one congregation. And a psalm may be a way that, that speaks to their hearts, you know. So um, there are psalms that, you know, we're confessing our sins to God like, like King David did. Uh, some are you know, praising God for the blessings that we've received. Some are crying out to God that, God, why have you abandoned me? You know, like Psalm 22 that Jesus um, started from the cross. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even when we don't know how to pray, the Psalms can speak to our hearts and it can draw out of us those human emotions and what it means to be human. And it, it allows us to express those feelings to God at Mass. You know, as you were talking about uh, football and our faith, um, it reminded me of, you know, people go to a, to a football game and they, they buy a program so that they know what's going on in the program. It might even have the rules of the game. It'll have the lineups. Uh, I think as Catholics, it's a good idea to have uh, a missalette or a missile, perhaps maybe a Magnificat, so that we can follow along, follow along uh, the readings, follow along the Psalms that we're talking about today. 
Absolutely. Uh, I encourage people to. So I, I personally subscribe to the Magnificat that has the daily readings, it has reflections, prayers. It's beautiful. And it's a way for someone, if they want to follow the readings every day, um, that's a great place to do it. You know, you might bring your, your Bible to Mass, although you'll have to have the, you know, the readings kind of set, you know, in your Bible, have your four markers for the Old Testament, the Psalm, the New Testament, and the Gospel reading. But to have something there, because I'm, I'm a visual learner personally, so it's one thing for me to hear the reading proclaimed, and it also then helps me to hear it and, and see it, and so it, it engages more of my senses. And so, yes, it's another way. Uh, my my grandmother taught me how to how to score a baseball game, you know, and we'd buy the scorecard and it would engage me in the game, you know, keeping track of every play. Um, and so even as a priest, I have the Magnificat up there because, as I say, I'm a, I'm a visual learner. And so it, it, it helps me engage more in the readings so I can hear and, and see at the same time. I know some places, you know, because of COVID, we don't have the missiles in the church but you can bring your own missile or Magnificat. Uh, it's just another way of engaging your your senses at Mass. Absolutely. I'm totally with you, Father. In fact, uh, my missile uh, is so beat up, I had to uh, put tape on the outside of it just to keep it together. <laughs> so I've had it for quite some time. So always uh, great to be with you. Uh, thanks so much for your teachings uh, and your spiritual perspective. Uh, as always, uh, happy Advent. Thanks, John. God bless you, and happy Advent to, to everyone listening. Father Bergmaster is the Director for the Office of Adult Formation for the Diocese of Joliet, Illinois, and the Baseball Priest. We need to take a break. When Morning Air continues, Sean Carney, the President and Co-Founder of 40 Days for Life, will be with us uh, to discuss the upcoming Dobbs case, as well as the fact that they are now over 20,000 babies saved uh, since uh, 40 Days for Life began, which is an amazing Amazing accomplishment. So don't change that dial. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. From Maui to Maine, you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now, 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 30 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Again, our number if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. As we've been talking about for months on Wednesday, December 1st, it's decision time. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments on Dobbs versus Jack 
Jackson Women's Health, a legal challenge to Mississippi's law that bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. This is a historic moment in the pro-life movement in America because there's a chance that after nearly half a century and over 63 million abortions, Roe v. Wade could be overturned and go back to the states. Many pro-life organizations are preparing for this moment, including 40 Days for Life. In fact, 40 Days for Life saved 850 babies from abortion during its recent fall campaign, the largest ever in over 612 cities, and also announced the 20,000 confirmed babies saved from abortion. Joining us now is Sean Carney, the president and CEO and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, the world's largest grassroots movement to end abortion. Sean is uh, the executive producer of several award-winning pro-life documentaries. He's co-authored the number one top-rated Christian book, 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do. And he also wrote two other best-selling books, including his most recent, What to Say When. Sean lives in Texas with his wife and eight children. Good morning, Sean. Welcome back to Morning Air. Always great to be with you once again. Happy Advent. Happy Advent, and it's good to be back. Good morning to you. Well, Sean, I couldn't think of of a better time to to talk with you. Uh, First of all, uh, congratulations on reaching uh, that 20,000 baby saved from abortion milestone. Uh, This is is fantastic. Did you ever imagine uh, back in 2007 that 40 Days for Life would save this many babies from abortion? No, no. And the the 20,000 is is are the ones we know about, right? I mean, those are the ones we can confirm that the mom chose life. They came to us. Uh, there are many more who just drive by and never go in. You know, the former Planned Parenthood workers say that the no-show rate for an abortion appointment goes as high as 75% when people are out there peacefully praying. So uh, it's a great milestone. There's a lot of work to be done, but those 20,000 we know uh, are alive today. I got an email yesterday from a Portugal uh, campaign. Uh, where they saved twins last fall. And so uh, the twins were born, and and I got this beautiful picture of them. And so that never gets old, and it's why we do what we do. And and that's why the Dobbs case is so important, because the Supreme Court should overturn Roe v. Wade. It's it's one of their greatest errors ever, is dehumanizing an entire segment of our population. And uh, they need to correct that error, and we're certainly hoping and praying that they do. Absolutely. I, I want to talk about the Dobbs case here in a moment, but uh, uh, the success that you had uh, most recently in this fall campaign uh, was quite impressive. Not only did you reach that uh, 28,000 baby save uh, a plateau, but you, you also uh, saved for the first time ever uh, triplets uh, in Cleveland, from what I understand. What an uh, amazing story that is. Yes, that was a beautiful story. And, and uh, it was uh, our leader there, Fred, um, this woman went in for, to, to have an abortion on, on triplets, and he talked to her, and she said, I, I, I can't do it. Uh, there's three babies in there. He even asked, offense, you know, do you think three is too many? And he said, absolutely not. Three is a blessing. And she said, well, uh, if one of these is a boy, I'm going to name him after you. What's your name? And he said, my name is Fred. And so she said, well, maybe I'm going to have a Fred. Uh, this is a beautiful story. That was week one of the 40 Days for Life campaign. And, you know, those stories, we had six sets of twins that were saved, one uh, set of triplets, the one in Cleveland. And that just 
you know, that speaks to the fact that no matter what's going on in Washington, D.C., or how long we've had legalized abortion, we're coming up on 50 years of, of legalized abortion, uh, we haven't we haven't ultimately divorced natural law, you know, where you pin a mother against her child and, and tell her that, that her baby is a mere choice. We just haven't bought that. It's why, thank God, abortion is still one of the most controversial issues in our land, because we have yet, as Americans, uh, been able to get comfortable with abortion, and that's a tremendous blessing. And Sean, uh, there in the state of Texas, the Heartbeat Act uh, has been saving many, many babies every single day. Uh, how is the abortion industry reacting to this, not to mention the upcoming uh, Dobbs case? They're losing a lot of money. I mean, bottom line, uh, you know, when you're doing here in Houston, we have the largest abortion facility in the Western Hemisphere. You know, if you're doing 40 abortions every day at four to six hundred dollars an abortion and that stops, it, it, it kills their business. You know, no pun intended. I mean, they, the, the abortion industry is a business like any other business. That's why we focus on the grassroots. You can have legal abortion. You can have uh, half the population accepts abortion. But if facilities can't stay open because it's market-driven and you're converting hearts, that's when you see abortion facilities close. Now, in Texas, it was just the, the Heartbeat Act just cut them off instantly. They were already hurting. Uh, you know, half of our abortion facilities in Texas have closed the last seven years. And then this came along. And, and, you know, banned abortion at six weeks, essentially. And so um, that's been a huge problem. I think we're going to see some, some big abortion facilities close in our state because every day it's, it's really, really hurting them. And if all of a sudden uh, Chick-fil-A couldn't sell chicken sandwiches, which would be a complete tragedy, um, you know, it would kill their business. And that's what's happening to the abortion industry every single day, that they're not able to do abortions. Well, Sean, um, this Wednesday, December 1st, is decision time. Can you give us uh, your take on the significance of the Dobbs case uh, that presents a realistic opportunity to reverse Roe v. Wade? It does, and there's never been a case like this. So there's really three scenarios. One, um, they do what they should do and what Dobbs is, is set up to do, which is overturn Roe v. Wade and send it back to the states. Right now, they're are about over 30 states that would ban abortion immediately. They have what's called trigger laws. So they're they're ready to go. And, and our battle, uh, as far as the pro-life movement, would go to those abortion states that would uphold uh, that would uphold abortion. So the first scenario is that they just completely ban it. And there are many attorneys uh, that believe they're going to do that, which is why they took the case. Um, Number two, they kind of beat it up, and a lot of the the lawyers are divided on what that means. It can be confusing, um, but they re, they basically give more uh, authority to the state's abortion. Way they didn't do that um, when we when we got rid of slavery. We didn't say, well, you can kind of own six slaves, but you can't own twenty slaves. I mean, dehumanization is dehumanization, and so. They're, they're, the Supreme Court hasn't done that in the past, but they may just say, well, states can regulate it. We're getting out of this. And, um, and you know, we're not going to we're not going to overrule you every time you have a pro-life law, which has happened. Um, 
The third scenario, which is the worst, which I don't know anyone who thinks this is going to happen, it certainly could, is that they just uphold Roe v. Wade. Um, but Roe v. Wade is is bad law, uh, according to Ginsburg. She said it's bad law. Sandra Day O'Connor, a very pro-abortion uh, Supreme Court justice, said that Roe v. Wade is, of course, with itself uh, because of science and the advancement of technology. And so scenario would be just the Supreme Court saying, we're now going to live in 1973 science, put our head in the sand and, and uphold abortion because of precedent. That would be a total disaster um, and would change elections in our country forever. But um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I overall don't really trust the Supreme Court. I think these justices are excellent on paper, and we just don't know what they're going to do until they have a case like this. And so we're going to see, you know, presidents do their best. It's a little bit like the NFL draft when you nominate people. But I know speaking with the lawyers who are directly involved with the case, they feel great, obviously, about Thomas. They feel great about Alito. And they feel great about Gorsuch, who has turned out to be a much more conservative justice than, than many people predicted when he was nominated. Um, but they don't know what Kavanaugh's going to do, and they don't know what Amy Coney Barrett's going to do. You know, logically, you would think, I mean, if Amy Coney Barrett doesn't overturn Roe, what's the world coming to kind of deal? But um, but we're going to see. And and I, I do think I don't think they're going to uphold Roe v. Wade. I think they're going to either beat it up or overturn it. Our guest this morning, Sean Carney, president, co-founder of 40 Days for Life. And we're breaking down the upcoming uh, Dobbs case. Um, Sean, would it be fair to say that tens of millions of lives hang in the balance uh, with this case, uh, with this uh, decision by the Supreme Court? Easily. Easily and conservatively, you could say that because America... The world is looking at us now. They're not saying, oh, America has a new law. Who cares? That doesn't impact us. That's nonsense. We've exported, uh, exported abortion around the world through our government, through Bill Gates, through Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, the Brits and the Americans have put abortion in Africa and Latin America, uh, which is why 40 Days for Life has such a huge presence in both those continents. We have over 200 campaigns throughout Latin America. Um, and so we've exported abortion. And so if we if we ban it, if we make abortion illegal, we'll be the first, essentially, uh, certainly the first superpower to do that. And and as Mother Teresa said, when when America repents of abortion, America will end abortion. And when America ends abortion, the world will follow. And so I think that uh, that that the, the tens of millions of lives are, are certainly in the balance, probably hundreds of millions in the end, because. There are 56 million abortions every single year. And if America bans abortion, other countries are going to get the confidence uh, and the inspiration to, to do the same. Um, but we've, we've got to do it. Sean, do you, do you feel good? Do you feel confident uh, about Mississippi Attorney General uh, Lynn Fitch, who's going to actually argue uh, the law before the Supreme Court uh, during the oral arguments uh, starting this Wednesday? 
it, it looks like uh, we um, just temporarily lost uh, Sean Carney. Uh, we're going to take a, a short break. If you have any questions uh, or comments uh, about uh, this upcoming uh, Dobbs case that could possibly overturn Roe v. Wade, if you're passionate about defending life or you want to ask uh, Sean a question, give us a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a break. We're going to reconnect with Sean and continue our conversation uh, with Sean Carney, president and CEO, co-founder of 40 Days for Life. Stay with us. There's much more to come. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 46 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks for tuning in this morning as we continue our conversation with Sean Carney, president co-founder of 40 Days for Life. We're talking about the upcoming Dobbs case, uh, which will begin this Wednesday, December 1st. Uh, Sean, welcome back. Good to be back. <laughs> um, I also want to invite our listeners, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Uh, Sean, how is 40 Days for Life uh, preparing for this upcoming Dobbs case? Well, uh, obviously the case will be heard um, tomorrow and Wednesday. So we're doing a 48-hour vigil in hundreds of cities across the country and a few international cities as well. And so if, if everybody goes to 40daysforlife.com slash row must go, 40daysforlife.com slash row must go, you can find your location and just take some time, an hour, uh, out of your next 48 hours on Monday and tu- uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week when the case is being heard just to pray. Uh, in front of your local abortion facilities, we have some locations, they don't have an abortion facility, so they're going to their county courthouse, you know, to give witness to life. This is going to be a story in, in the media. Uh, people are going to be talking about it, and we need to be doing something uh, publicly. And many of the folks working on the case said, this helps. The more visibility, uh, the more noise you can make, um, the, the better uh, for the case. And so, uh, we're not going to be making a whole lot of noise. We're going to be praying. <laughs> you can find your location on our website and uh, and take part in that. The other thing we're doing is just preparing for all the different scenarios, and we have a plan uh, for each, no matter what the Supreme Court does. Um, folks should know, too, that the case, they're obviously arguing it this week, and then there's a lot of speculation on when they'll announce it, uh, either the spring, maybe in June. Looks like we're having uh, some technical uh, challenges uh, with our connection w- with uh, Sean. Uh, in fact, if you want to uh, to learn more about how 40 Days for Life is preparing for this uh, upcoming Dobbs case, you can go to 40daysforlife.com slash row must go. Uh, there's going to be a 48-hour nationwide and worldwide vigil. Uh, there's going to be presence at the Supreme Court. A lot of people 
people praying. In fact, this has really galvanized the entire pro-life movement. Uh, in addition to 40 Days for Life, there's many other pro-life organizations that are also uh, praying and uh, will be uh, on hand in Washington, D.C., in front of the Supreme Court uh, for really uh, what is what is an unprecedented moment. This is this is a big, big moment uh, in in the history of uh, the pro-life movement. And uh, Sean, are you, are you back with us? I am here. I am here. We were talking uh, about everything that's going on, and I see uh, how it's not only 40 Days for Life, but many other uh, groups. Uh, I I know that uh, the Pro-Life Action League, uh, the Students for Life of America, just to mention a couple that we've had on the show recently, they're all gearing up uh, for, uh, for this case. Oh yeah, no everybody, everybody. It's all hands on deck, and and there's a number of events for people to go to. I mentioned all of our vigils uh, that are local, wherever you live. Uh, if you can't go to D.C., we are having an event uh, in D.C. A vigil in front of the uh, in front of the Supreme Court uh, during those days. I know Students for Life is doing the same. Um, so there's a lot of uh, great opportunities for us to go and and to call attention to the fact that this is that this is happening. One of the things that is really good that rarely happens is that this case took the abortion industry uh, uh, by surprise. And typically they're way ahead of us uh, on the legal front. And they put a lot of money into that. And it worked out for them, unfortunately. But uh, the, the Dobbs case surprised them. The Texas Heartbeat Act surprised them. They were not prepared for that. And so, uh, you know, we definitely have the upper hand and it's it's time to you know, when you go out, you're like, why should I go out and pray when they're hearing a case? Because the reality is, and, and unfortunately, I've had so many lawyers tell me this, it's so disheartening. The Supreme Court takes the temperature of the culture, and that does influence their decisions. Not supposed to, but it does. And the the more visible we are that America rejects abortion, that America is now, it's not an experiment. We have the pain of abortion, you know, after 50 years. We don't want this anymore. The more we can express that visibly, um, the better. And, and it sends a message certainly to the media, but, but also to, uh, to the justices themselves because they do watch this. And, and I've had so many lawyers, one argued 12 cases for the Supreme Court. They said their greatest fear is making a decision at 10 a.m. and then seeing you know people out on the street at, at 6 p.m. when they go home. They don't want that. And and I think Roe v. Wade is definitely waking people up on both sides to the possibility that, you know, we, we may no longer have legal abortion as, as we've had it uh, the last 50 years. Irene is joining us from Orlando, Florida. Good morning, Irene. Welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Sean Carney. Thanks, John. Hi, Sean. Um, I am so excited about what you're doing and urge everyone to get out there. And I, I have to brag about my husband a little bit, um, who, who you know, Sean. My husband, uh, Richard, who is a, uh, a doctor, um, a pediatric uh, doctor, as a matter of fact, and is Jewish, is going to Washington, D.C. to stand on the steps of the Supreme Court in his white coat with a bunch of other pro-life doctors while the case is being argued in front of the Supreme Court. I'm extremely proud of him on his own initiative. He's doing this, and I just want to encourage everyone. My husband can fly from sunny Florida to uh, cold Washington, D.C., and, and, and take time off work and do that. I just urge and beg um, everyone 
to do something, take up space in public, as Sean says. So thanks a million, and I just hope that encourages everyone. Thanks, Irene. Uh, uh, Sean, your thoughts? Yeah, Irene is a wonderful campaign leader, by the way. Um, yes, and, and the, uh, physicians, you know, we're 40 Days for Life is sending uh, a former abortion doctor, Dr. Haywood Robinson, to the steps of the Supreme Court to speak. There's a lot of doctors um, that have really voiced their opinion on abortion more recently because often medicine gets off the hook. You know, we always blame either the weaknesses of the church or we blame politicians for abortion. But medicine created it. it cre- they created the surgery. These are doctors. People say, well, they're not real doctors. You know, we can kind of think that, but they are doctors. And the reason they can do abortions is because they're doctors and they're not the first in their class. They're usually the last and they need the cash and they're willing to do it. And it's a black eye of medicine. It's absolutely shameful, which is why most abortion doctors don't get invited you know, to cocktail parties, or they certainly don't reveal what they do. And so, you know, medicine is on the hook for this. And that's why it's so powerful that we have not only former abortion doctors, but just physicians in general who say, you know, we, we cut and we tear to heal, you know, not to kill. And, and, and this, is, this is a shameful, barbaric practice, and it needs to end. That's very powerful coming from physicians themselves. Sean, uh, you mentioned the three possible scenarios uh, for this case. Uh, what do you think is the key uh, for a row to be overturned? Well, the key is that the overwhelming evidence and the precedent in our country that we have protected the unborn, Scott Peterson's in, on death row for second-degree murder of his unborn child. We don't let pregnant women on roller coasters. Uh, we won't serve them 10 beers at a bar. We, pre- we give the unborn rights in certain cases. We do surgeries on unborn children. And that precedent has to overcome the legal precedent of dehumanizing the unborn. And I think that's the key. That's the key. Because uh, our schizophrenia has, has pulled us in both directions the last 50 years and of when we protect the unborn and when we don't. And we protect unborn children all the time legally. And we need that precedent to be the highlight. What about the uh, scientific truths? The, the fact that uh, being pro-life is pro-science. Uh, science is demonstrating today more than ever before that it truly is a baby, especially because of the ultrasounds. Well, I think unlike any other case, that's just assumed in this one. It's definitely argued for, but that, that's why they're taking the case, John. Because all these justices have their grandkids and probably some of their own children on their refrigerator in the ultrasound. And we can no longer deny that we're killing a baby. And I think that's the main reason. That's the biggest plus that we have going for us is science. During a time when we're all supposed to be following the science, we need to follow it on the unborn. Well, Sean, as always, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks so much for your perspective. Uh, congratulations on the 20,000 babies saved, and we continue to pray with you uh, for this Dobbs case. Thank you, John. We love you guys, and keep up the great work. Many blessings to you. Sean Carney, president and CEO, co-founder of 40 Days for Life, 40daysforlife.com. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. As we head into Advent, Advent and Christmas stories for you coming up now through the holiday. Our story today, The Legend of the Poinsettia from Stephanie Herbeck. Maria and Pablo lived in a tiny village in Mexico. 
Because Christmas time at their house did not include many gifts, Maria and Pablo looked forward to the Christmas festivities at the village church with great joy and anticipation. To honor the birth of Christ, the church displayed a beautiful manger that drew crowds of admirers. Villagers walked miles to look at the manger, bringing lovely, expensive gifts for the baby. As Maria and Pablo watched the villagers place their gifts in the soft hay around the manger, they felt sad. They had no money to buy gifts for their family and no money to buy a gift for the baby Jesus. One Christmas Eve, Maria and Pablo walked to the church for that evening services, wishing desperately that they had a gift to bring. Just then, a soft, glowing light shone through the darkness, and the shadowy outline of an angel appeared above them. Maria and Pablo were afraid, but the angel comforted them, instructing them to pick some of the short green weeds that were growing by the road. They should bring the plants to the church, the angel explained, and place them near the manger as their gift to the baby Jesus. Then just as quickly as she had appeared, the angel was gone, leaving Maria and Pablo on the road looking up into the dark sky. Confused but excited, the children filled their arms with large bunches of the weeds and hurried off to the church. When the children entered, many of the villagers, villagers turned to stare. As Maria and Pablo began placing the weeds around the manger, some of the villagers laughed at them. Why are these children putting weeds by the manger? Maria and Pablo began to feel embarrassed and ashamed of their gift to the baby Jesus, but they stood bravely near the manger, placing the plants on the soft hay as the angel had instructed. Suddenly, the dull green leaves on the tops of the plants began to turn a beautiful shade of red, surrounding the baby with beautiful blooms. The laughing villagers became silent as they watched the green plants transform into the lovely star-shaped crimson flowers we call poinsettias. As they watched the weeds bloom before their eyes, Maria and Pablo knew that they had no reason to be ashamed anymore. They'd given the baby Jesus the only gift they could, and it was the most beautiful gift of all. Today, poinsettias are a traditional symbol of Christmas, thanks to young Maria and Pablo and their special gifts to the baby Jesus. From James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Thanks so much, Glenn. And of course, you can download every episode of Glenn Story Corner and Morning Air on the Relevant Radio app. want to remind you, this Advent, join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverens, for producers Mariano Gomez, Sarah Tafoya, and Gabby Burke, and our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.